Hey everyone, welcome to another segment of our mental health moment. So glad you could be with us today. Uh, it's May, and uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we are really happy to be taking the time to recognize just how important mental health is. And ironically, this is actually our two-year anniversary of doing Mental Health Moments. Can you believe that? Maureen and I were just talking about that. How, where did two years go? Where did two years go? So, and again, uh, we are here with Charles Latour. He is our behavioral health therapist um, at the Bellin Psychiatric Center. So, Charles, how's your day going so far? So far, so good. Really good, as a matter of fact. Oh, good. Fantastic. Are you liking the warm weather? Loving it. Absolutely loving it. I never complain about the cold, but I can greatly value the warmth. Awesome, awesome. So today we're going to jump into really just um, Mental Health Awareness Month, what that means. We want to reflect on how we can take care of ourselves, maybe things that we can recognize in others. Certainly the last couple of years we've been challenged in, in terms of mental health, but yet we also recognize that COVID has given us a gift in that we have been able to really put a spotlight on mental health and reduce the stigma of really talking about it and having people value it. So, Charles, um, I wanted to start out with, we know that we've been doing this segment for two years. Incredible. Uh, what are your reflections, Charles, from the last two years of us doing these segments? Well, I guess the first reflection is in relation to what you were just mentioning, how fast it's gone. It is, I can't believe it's two years, 24 months of doing these. Um, and people often refer to the times that we're in as COVID time. I hear things like COVID time, COVID memory, COVID hair, whatever it might be, but so many different things that COVID seems to have hit. And when it comes to time, it's like in some ways, two years have flown by, but a lot of people have told me that some days have seemed to take forever. So we have this really interesting, incredibly uh, fascinating thing with time right now. So that's one of them. But the other thing is kind of, if anything, if I look at what upside can come of such a difficult thing that we've all seemed to face, is that it, I think it's led to everybody having, at least on some level, some greater appreciation of the role mental health plays in our well-being. Because even if someone hasn't been physically impacted, almost everybody on some level has been emotionally impacted by what we've gone through. And that one of the most important things in our mental health is our ability to adjust. Because for the last two years, we've all been adjusting. It's been like a universal collective adjusting to what we've been going through. So I think that to me, if there's anything that really stands out in the way of um, something noticeable is how much more prominent mental health is on a more broad base than it was prior to COVID. Definitely. And, and you and I were talking about when we were preparing for this segment, segment and, and really recognizing Mental Health Awareness Month, we really want to drive home the idea that mental health is not something that can be left to chance. 
it isn't something that we just hope that it's going to be okay. It's exactly like your physicality. You're not going to get stronger if you don't use your body and your muscles. And mental health is really the same way in that it's not going to improve. It's not going to be as resilient as it can be for you um, if you don't work on strengthening it. So one of the things that Charles and I had talked about was, you know, what are things that all of us have done just in the last couple of years to focus more on mental health? Or what have we done to transition through some of these challenging times? And we thought that we could share those with you. And then also, um, you as our audience, if you want to chat some in, what has changed? What has been different for you these last couple of years? Um, and a couple things come to mind for myself, and I want to hear from you, Charles, on what has changed for you. So I found myself being a lot more mindful and in the moment because there was so much anxiety about the unknown and we didn't know what the next day was going to bring. Sometimes we didn't know what the next hour was going to bring. I found myself really focusing on those moments and I started seeing things even just outside at my house and my yard that I felt like I had never really noticed before. Like I had never noticed how many different birds we have around the house. And I have this one beautiful plant on the corner of the house that it blooms so beautifully in June. And I felt like years prior I hadn't even paid attention to it. So that was a big thing. And then I think also I've just gotten very, very um, aware of taking in content and being aware of how it affects my mental health, whether it be a TV program, whether it be social media. I've just become way more aware of how that makes me feel. And when something is making me feel cruddy, then I know I need to limit it or I need to back away from it. So those are my two, two big ones. What, what has it been for you, Charles? What are some things that you've noticed these last couple of years? Uh, it's hard, even hard to, to say, Linda. You just said so many things that I want to come back to because uh, I love what you were talking about and that awareness piece and how important it is. I'll say a couple things, but I hope we have time to come back to some of what you were mentioning. But I think the same thing is, is the awareness piece. I've been even more aware around us. Um, shows that I watch on TV that seem to have like a mental health theme, it seems that they're calling that out more even. Um, one show in particular that I'm thinking of is called um, uh, A Million Little Things. They tackle a lot of mental health related issues. And at the end of many of their shows, they will even have a, a, a group from the show talk about what, the, what was going through their minds that day and what was happening and resources available. So I think I love what you're talking about, the mindfulness, the awareness, the self-care. Um, to me, what it's made me do even more than whatever my baseline is and why I probably use this word a lot throughout some of our meetings or these words is being deliberately developmental, is the ability to be deliberately developmental and deliberately developmental in specific ways and being very specific about where we can grow. Um, is it in our relationships? Is it in our physical health? Is it in our mental health? Is it in our focus? Is it in our work? Uh, is it in the way we look at things? 
So I think for me, the thing that I decided at the very beginning of this that I wanted to focus on was my deliberate developmental nature and ratchet it up as much as I could so that I didn't leave how I got through this whole episode, ongoing episode of COVID to chance. I wanted it to be specific rather than random. I love that, and I think we all have an opportunity to reflect on that and even just continue to do so as we move forward, because unfortunately, we're, we're still dealing with some COVID and we're dealing with some unknowns of, of what that's going to look like. So definitely, definitely something to be aware of. Um, Charles, there was a video that you introduced me to, and I, I think this is, this is just so important when we're talking about mental health and we're talking about recognizing both in ourselves and others if we need help. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit more about the video, and then uh, Maureen will, will bring that up for us. Sure. Yeah, I was just watching. It came on a lot during two specific things that I was watching. It was a a soccer match, and then uh, it showed up on a show called uh, Good Morning Football on the Football Network. And the first time I saw it, I was not even really sure what it was, the first 10, 20 seconds of it. And then I saw quickly at, after those first couple seconds where it was going, and I was like, this is great. This is exactly what I'm hoping is a result of what we're doing and how it ties into what I may as Mental Health Month, but I hope mental health is part of every month and bringing the message out there that mental health hopefully one day will be as pursued as vigorously and with great rigor like we do our physical health. So that's when I first saw it. I'm like, I'm going to send this to Linda and I can't wait for an opportunity to use it in one of these programs and Mental Health Awareness Month in May uh, seems like a great time to do it. So yeah, before I say anything more about it, there's no great spoiler alert other than to just kind of watch it and we could see if there's any reactions to it. Listen, you're my friend. I noticed you haven't really been yourself recently. Yeah, I feel like something's up. How are you? Are you okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? I just want to know how you feel. And listen, even if you don't know what to say, I'm here to talk. No matter what you're going through, I just want you to know I'm here. I've got your back. When you want to talk, I'm here. really thought-provoking. We've all probably had those moments where we wanted to say something to someone and we haven't known exactly what to do, right, Charles? Yeah, it's amazing. Like, if you think about it, we if we see someone holding their arm, it's like, oh, did something happen to your arm? Oh, your knee looks swollen. Did you cut yourself? Do you look like your back sore? 
we have no problem whatsoever with anything physically checking in. We see it as empathic, supportive, understanding, and caring. But when it comes to something emotional, should I say anything? Should I, should I bring it up? What if, what if it's not good? Do they want me to bring it up? We go from physically anything seems to be like worth checking in. But when it's psychological, anything mental, we find this awkwardness. And I think what this message obviously is getting out there is we have been way afraid for way too long to seize the awkwardness. In fact, we've shied away from it. But I think the, the message that this last two years have shown us is that more than ever, we have to be able to check in on friends, family, the, the separation, especially in the first year that this created, the loneliness, the separation, the isolation, how do we connect? How do we bring people together? How do we check in? How do we ask those difficult questions? Because if it's a sore arm, it's simple. But when it's we don't even know, but it seems psychological, all of a sudden it becomes really, really difficult. But the main thing that we've learned from anything in the research and people who've been through the most difficult times is they're just waiting more than anything. They're hoping someone will reach out because they feel it's difficult to reach out themselves. That I don't want to burden somebody. I don't want to disappoint someone. I don't want to appear weak. I don't want to appear that I don't have it together. I don't want to ruin someone's day with what I'm feeling. So sometimes we have to be the one to reach out when we see those times rather than just maybe let it go and hope that it might get better. So, so those are some of my original thoughts that when I first saw the, the video, um, and again, it's not long, and you may even recognize some of those people. One of them is an actress from um, a TV show. I don't think it's on any, any longer, but yeah, a couple familiar faces as well. Well, and when I when I think of, of that video, too, I think about how there's so much power in just asking the question, just asking a question to someone if they're okay. And whether that be a coworker because somebody seems a little off or a friend or a family member, just that person knowing that you care has so much power. You don't have to be a therapist to, to, to let people know that you care, and I think the more that we do that, the more that we connect with others, potentially the stronger all of our units become. Our families become stronger. Our work teams become stronger. I just think those, those simple questions of checking in with people really, really mean a lot. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it really is the idea of um, the nature of checking in and um, you know, people will tell me, well, I, will, I don't know if I know what to say. I don't, what if I said something wrong? I don't really know what I should be saying based on what I hear. What if this, what if that? And when I tell people all the time, we all have heard that old adage, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. This is really all, for the most part, anybody really wants to know is that someone did care enough to ask. You noticed, you cared, you asked. Uh, people who have attempted suicide, uh, the one of the most famous survivors of a suicide attempt, um, states that you know what he, even before it, he said, "I 
I was going out to do it, but I told myself I wouldn't do it if one person asked me how I was doing. No one asked, and then he made the attempt. Fortunately, he lived through it, but, um, but the idea that to be able to show that we care matters more than anything else. There's another saying that I've always loved, similar to what I just said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. There's another one, which is people may forget what you said. They may even forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And that's what this all comes down to is that connectedness, that feel like, look, I care. I'm here for you. I, I'm concerned about you. And if there's anything we could do other than just connecting, let's do it. Let's figure it out. But you don't have to do it alone because that's the other greatest fear of somebody struggling with the mental health issue is they feel so alone. It isn't until they feel some connection that the, the, the healing starts to, to occur. So I just wanted to read um, a couple of things in the chat that people had uh, chatted in on, on what they've been doing to focus on mental health. So Elizabeth writes, I think I've applied mindfulness in almost everything I do. Uh, you see many more blessings and live in gratitude. Seeing myself grow through the challenges is more evident because of the mindfulness. I've been more transparent to others, which I have never been. Um, Ashley shares, because there were more alone or family time, I've paid more attention to my self-talk. Because I was always on the go prior, I never had the time to slow down and pay attention to it. Excellent. And then Marie wrote, I've had to stop watching the news at various times because many times it's too upsetting to me. I decided my mind could take a break from world and local happenings. Yes. And uh, then Elizabeth also wrote, I wish that too, Charles, like we have an annual physical dental cleaning, let's do a mental health assessment with a physician, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Who said that? Uh, that was that was Elizabeth that said that. That would be the ultimate. Uh, that would be the nirvana of this process. At least a new baseline is if we paid as much attention on that level that someone could say, "Okay, I'm as in, in that we medically start working in that direction." that is part of a battery. I know we do at least a good job to begin with in the realm of if anybody here has had a physical and annual. I know when I did mine, there was a, there was a pretty hefty uh, dose of mental health related questions, but I'd even love it if there was one meeting with a clinician a year, just in the way of I'm that, I'm that interested in how I'm doing. It doesn't have to get bad to talk to someone professionally. It could be just like any other physical thing that we do. So I love, absolutely love that comment. That is, that's where it would be great if we could go to that place. Fabulous. Definitely, definitely. Every month should be Mental Health Awareness Month. It's so important, so important. So another thing that you and I talked about, Charles, was the idea of we have to take some accountability for this, right? Taking care of ourselves and self-care and recognizing things, no one is going to do that for us. So it's, it's really important to know it is, it is on us. So how do we make that work? What does that look like? What does that look like both for us as individuals 
And then how do we help organizations uh, get there as, as well? Yeah, that's a great question. We could actually do a whole program on the organizational piece. But to, to go into that, let me go back to that other part that we were talking about that goes into your intentionality. Uh, we are like, the reason we have to do what you're asking, and then we'll talk about how to do it a little bit more, is we are really not good at knowing us all that well. Um, we, and that's not to say we don't, right? We have a good awareness um, about a number of different things. But there's so much incredible um, research studies out there that show us that things happen to us and we do things and make decisions without really knowing the extent to which our environment impacts us. So one example is researchers at Yale had uh, people read the same exact, so if it was you, Linda, people would read a profile about you and then say whether or not they found th this person, that they had a favorable impression of this person or a negative impression of this person. And they would read it and then they would, they would give their decision on degree of favorable or unfavorable, positive or negative impression. And what they found was the results were almost um, so incredibly geared towards really positive or really negative. But where that positivity or negativity came from had nothing to do with your bio or your profile. What it was based on is while the researchers were going in the elevator from the first floor to the second floor, the people in the study would give them something to hold. It was either an iced coffee or a hot cup of coffee, and just even for a couple seconds. And it turned out that the people who, who had to hold the warm cup of coffee rated the profile as really impressive. Oh, this person this is a very impressive profile. The people who held the cold coffee the iced coffee, when they read the profile, they found it to be unimpressive. So it was very minimally related to the content and very strongly related to the situation they were in. And in this case, whether or not they were holding an iced cup of coffee or a hot cup of coffee. That's how we have these natural, inherent influencers that impact us in many ways that we don't even know throughout the day. I'll give you one other quick one. A college students or teenage, late teenage years, watched a video of old people, elderly people, and another group watched videos of younger kids similar to their age. And what they didn't know is the research was the length of time it would take them to get back to the elevator compared to the time it took them to get from the elevator. The people who watched the older uh, video walked much slower back to the elevator. Like they had, it had this really strong priming effect. The people who saw the younger video walked faster and with more vigor to back to the elevator. So just watching what we watched had a tremendous effect, even on gait. But I want to do one more because this is the one where I think we get most 
um, we could probably almost relate. People watching football games that have alcohol-related advertisements in them. Watching the group in, in, in through this experiment uh, was, was given a healthy dose of advertisements of alcohol. They went on average from drinking 10 drinks a month to 30 drinks a month. In this study, just from watching, without even knowing, it wasn't like see what alcohol, they were actually thought they were watching film clips of football games, but what was really being studied was the exposure to alcohol, which in those ads, if you ever watch a football game, they're pretty heavy in alcohol advertisements, typically beer or Captain Morgan, those type of things. So that type alone, we may not be saying like, yeah, the advertisements are affecting me, but if you think about it, Madison Avenue doesn't do that because there's no effect. They do it because of the effect that it's having, but most of the time we are largely unaware of the impact that certain social things are having on us. Food is equally increasing during food, TV shows that they show food, we are more likely, the evidence is 45% increase to grab a snack during a show where food is more heavily advertised. Even in a five minute window, this was experimented. So, so because of all those things, back to your question, I wanted to tie that in. Without intentionality, bless you, without intentionality, without awareness, without knowing this is happening, we are so left to chance. We are so out there. So we have to be able to do this. So the key becomes to what are we gonna do and our responsibility rather than having it left to chance, we have to do some certain things that we know are helpful to us. We have to say, I'm responsible. No one else is responsible for my health and well-being. And the more I can tap into that and be deliberate, um, I want to say one thing about that. I had a client this morning who lost his father, um, just a early 20s uh, dad, um, not even 60 something. And it made him say that I just found out in the blink of an eye how valuable life is. I always knew it here but now I know it more here. And this has led me already since the death just a couple of days ago to make some decisions that I've needed to make for a long time. I just haven't been ready to be responsible for myself. And now we is. So it's, you never know what's gonna be the driver, but we have to be responsible. We have to do it. Uh, and most things don't just happen to us in terms of taking care of ourselves. We have to do it. There's a couple other things I want to say, but I want to see Linda where you are with that and how that resonates for you and possibly others on the call. Yeah, I think it's so it's so important to remember that at the end of the day, we're the ones making the choices on on so many things. We're we're choosing we're choosing what kind of food we're putting in our body. We're choosing if we're going to get any movement or not. We're choosing what kind of things we look at on our Screens, I mean, outside of work, there's just so many choices that are happening there, and I think it has taken it has taken me, you know, a long time to really realize the impact that that has on me. And it's even something as simple as 
if I watch cruddy TV before bed, I have crazy dreams. I have crazy disturbing dreams, and then I don't get, you know, enough sleep. And now I go into the next day with not enough sleep. And it's kind of this spiraling event that all that all started with um, what I exposed myself to, what, what I put in front of my face. So I just think that that's, that's, facet, that's fascinating stuff. And, and the story that you told about, like, what people were exposed to and then how they walked after seeing it, that, that's just so, that's so interesting. It, it just shows you how everything is so connected with our minds and our bodies. Yeah, thank you for that and tying that back into where you're going. It's so important is in so much of our well-being is around attachment. One study looked at kids at one years of age, one year olds, one year olders, and it's, it's, its test was called the strange test. It was a test of attachment. And the kids at one year old who were able to be comfortable with their mom out of sight, knowing that mom would come back versus those who didn't feel that attachment. And this is to show that people think the early years may not matter because they'll never remember it. They'll never remember that experiment, but the kids who had the strong attachment through life, uh, early development, mid middle school, high school, college and afterwards, tended to do better in grades, do better in relationships, do better in overall physical health, and even do better in future relationships. So, so much matters that we may not even know what is there, which means what we do know about, we have to do as much as we can with. One example that I'll use is um, uh, people, this, this is an amazing study where people uh, who are retired are asked why they don't exercise as much as they would like to. And their answer is they don't have enough time. They don't work, right? They're not out there working, they're not, but they don't have enough time to exercise. So imagine people who do is that the time will never change. The clock will always have 12 numbers on it and it will always go around twice. That will never change but it's what we do with that time that makes all the difference. And that is what's up to us and our responsibility. Those things will never change for us. We have to do the changing, we have to do the adjusting, and we'll only do it if it's important enough for us to do it. And that's what I hope is that we could all say yes to these things that are important. So true, so true. We all get the same amount of time. Nobody gets more than the next person. So we, we just have to figure out what's best for us. So Charles, um, I want to just, uh, you know, start to wrap up with some thoughts of we're halfway through the year. It's a good time for us as individuals and organizations to kind of reflect how are we doing? Are we headed in the right direction? How else can we put that mental health as a priority? And um, as we kind of wrap up and get some thoughts on that, um, I'm just going to ask Maureen to share this PowerPoint that has some photos in it. So a really cool surprise that Jody Anderson, who um, helped with the planning of these segments, and she um, also is a certified mental health first aid instructor, she put together this really cool relaxation station at our office building. And, uh, let me see, I can also try and share that as well. But it was a nice surprise on a Monday morning for folks 
when uh, they came in and they saw they saw this little setup. So you can see um, uh, Carla Brooks actually has a chair that we moved into position for this. So it's a nice comfy chair that people can sit in. There's a size around there. We have some chocolate, some things to draw on. We have some books back there, some nice signs, you know, just breathe. There's um, an infuser back there. There's music. So just a place for people to go and take a break. We took advantage of some space that we had just to make that, that space for people. And something very simple, but something to bring about awareness for Mental Health Awareness Month, and then also just give people the permission to take a break. So just wanted to, just wanted to share that. But Charles, well, what are your thoughts on, on what we can do as individuals and what organizations can do to, to help their folks? Yeah, the individuals is, for me, going back to some of the intentionality, the mindfulness, but pick one thing, is that too many people I see as they come in and are trying to change this and trying to do that, want to do this too, is each week or each month, focus on one thing that you think is, here's where I really want to, this is where I'd like to put my time, focus, attention, and, you know, then be able to do it. I talked about this concept of SAM, which I may have talked about before. It's self-awareness leads to monitoring, which leads to modifying. One thing that you're aware of that you can afford some movement in, and then being able to monitor for yourself, and that's gonna modify it. What we begin to monitor, we begin to modify. We'll inherently make favorable changes. So pick one thing, one area, whether it's diet, whether it's exercise, whether it's connection, whether it's sleep, whether it's hydration, and get the benefits of that. And organizationally, it can start that way too. Just what you have in front of you, this screen is great, but organizations that can support health and well-being, even if it's a reminder for movement, that every 90 minutes we encourage people to get up and move, do it together every 90 minutes that I get up and I go to the water fountain or bubbler as it's often called to hydrate. We're doing two healthy things at once. Uh, there's great research that tells us that just going to connect is a great thing to do. Going and saying hi to somebody that you may not have seen all day, just stopping by, anything like that. So organizationally connect, individually being able to do that, but organizations that support these type of things, even if it's just to breathe, take a two minute breath focus, is in and of itself very revitalizing and helps us be better at who, whatever it is that we're doing. We know after 90 minutes, every aspect of our cognitive functioning takes a little bit of a hit and that break is going to re-energize. So can I tell one quick story on that that highlights it? I do. So there's a story about these two people whose goal is to chop as much wood as they can. And one guy is just so gung-ho, he's just chopping and chopping and chopping. And his partner, unfortunately, in his mind, he took a morning break, then he took lunch, then he took a break in the afternoon. And the, the, his partner was getting so frustrated with him for these breaks. So at the end of the day, they have to count up all their wood. And the guy who never took a break uh, compared all that he cut to the other one, and he found the other one cut more. 
It's that, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. How did you cut so much more than me? Every time I saw you get up, it looked like you were taking a break. And he said, yeah, but maybe what you didn't notice is that every time I got up to take a break, I sharpened my ax. So, you know, our, our axes can get, can get a little bit dull without these. Taking a break means something healthy, not necessarily unhealthy and unproductive. And we get so caught up in productivity that we may miss some of those opportunities. And at the end of the day, where I'm going with all of this and why I hope we do these things is we can be better, we have to get better. Because one in five people experience a mental health issue. Uh, 50, that's more than 50 million Americans. Depression is the number one disability in our country. It wasn't expected to hit that until 2040. Uh, back in the early uh, 2000s, but by 2018, it had reached number one. 4.91% um, of our population suffers a severe mental illness. And in the last programs, we've told you the meteoric rise of adolescents dealing with suicide, depression, and anxiety when we talked about the social media effect and so forth. So when it comes to mental health, why I'm so glad we're doing Mental Health Awareness Month and where I wish it was every month, we can do better, we have to do better, and hopefully we will do better. And I hope we are in the midst of doing just that. So that's why it's so important. And we will keep bringing you these segments. So we wanna keep that, that spotlight on mental health and we will keep bringing you this these segments because we believe so strongly in, in taking the time and energy to, to put content together to show people how important it really is. So thank you for all that, Charles. I just want to point out, I, I popped up a, a little uh, note on the screen here about some other resources that you can connect with. So it's important for you to know what's available to you, both through your employer, your region, your community. Uh, there's some online resources they're listed as well. The Mental Health America Toolkit has lots of great information in it, the, the NAMI Toolkit. And uh, again, just checking with what you have available um, in your region, wherever you're watching us from. So great discussion today, Charles. Great topic, I think so important for, for everyone. I love the act story. What a lesson for all of us too. It's okay to take breaks and sharpen the act, whatever that may look like. For you so and it's okay not to be okay and we could always check in if we ever see that someone may not be definitely definitely keep seizing those awkward moments and reaching out to people so thank you so much to everyone for joining us today we really appreciate you taking this time we encourage you to connect with um, other mental health resources in your communities through your employers and reach out to us if there's anything else that you'd like to see us doing We'll send out the recording and also that Seize the Awkward video. You can maybe circulate that uh, with your teams at your organization to really get those discussions started and, and to encourage people to, to reach out to people. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Charles. Great as always. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Have a great rest of the day, everyone.